Our vision series, well, it's, it's amazing. It's sort of already a few people have actually mentioned this. And uh, I, I do think that, uh, that vision in this season, it's just a pertinent message for us all. Uh, when I started this series, I didn't really think so. I sort of thought, well, hang on, isn't it a bit early? We don't know what's happening next with, uh, with our communities and whatnot and see poor old Melbourne suffering again. And, and so you sort of tend to back off. But, but actually, the more I meditated on this and prepared for this series, I'm absolutely convinced we're just like right on the money. This is exactly where we need to be. I trust it will be for you. I, I'm believing over the, the length of this series, this is week three, and I'm hoping to preach six weeks um, uh, for, so for another three messages after today I'm really believing for an impartation of vision for each and every one of us everyone under the sound of my voice in the room online that God can quicken your heart can help you capture a clear mental picture of a preferred tomorrow in whatever area it might be for all of your life it might be a very particular area of your life like your business it might be for your marriage or it might be for your finances or it might be for how you serve Jesus and how you can make an eternal impact with your life whatever the case might be this series is not so much about the vision of the church or church vision uh, in one sense as an organization this is about vision for the church which is you we are the church we are the church and and we're sort of kidding ourselves if we just sort of think well the church is the big building we unlock once a week not that this place gets unlocked once a week. It's, it's raging all week long if you've ever been here. But, but basically, you know, we need to get away from that mentality that says, well, the church is somewhere I go and visit and understand that we are the church. God wants to give us individual vision that stirs us. This is what I love about vision. I preached it the first week, dare to dream again. And uh, the whole thought that vision is what motivates you. It's what pulls you into your future. It's what makes you leap out of bed in the morning when you get a clear mental image of how things should be it stirs your heart it changes everything about you and then last week uh, or last week for week two we looked at Abraham Uh, begins as Abram becomes Abraham renamed by God as father of many nations and uh, and just looking at as he moved towards heavenly vision it took faith It takes faith because vision will always move you towards the unknown. Vision will always take you somewhere where you've never been. If if you've got a vision and you've been there before, it's not actually vision. It's memory. (laughs) Vision is where you've never been. Seeing something fresh, something new that stirs your heart and you're determined to rise to it. And I believe God wants to empower people by his spirit who get a clear mental image of how life should be. And we frame that in a godly way. We've looked at that. We've looked at how Abraham built altars everywhere he went as he was pursuing heavenly vision. This wasn't just some machination of the heart of man. This was something that God had seeded into his spirit. And everywhere he went, he stood he took time out to worship God and every time he did that God clarified his vision and that's the kind of vision that I'm talking about but today I want to talk about a really practical element of this and a spoiler alert there will be old cars involved spoiler alert but that's okay I've already talked to people who are like I like it when you talk about your old cars so there there we go Um, but what I want to talk about is so practical because I do think there's a couple of elements to vision 
Uh, there's, well, actually, there's several, but here's two of them. The first one we've already covered, that sense of inspiration, that sense of maybe God breathing on something afresh and, and all of a sudden you being able to see a preferred tomorrow. That's the inspiration element, but then there's some incredibly practical elements and I want to look at the first of those really practical elements today there's the spiritual element which is moving in faith and now we're looking at the practical so there's inspiration there's that spiritual element of moving in faith towards it but there's also some really practical things that we can do that sometimes need to be done to keep us focused on what we believe God has put in our heart so I want to talk to us today about visioneering Visioneering, that's like a marriage of two words, isn't it? Uh, it? It doesn't work in the spell checker, so it's not a word, but it's a word today. Uh, visioneering is like this marriage between vision and engineering. That you actually have something to do that's very practical to put structure around your vision. This is just one element of that, but I think it's a very, very helpful element. I'm going to Habakkuk. Habakkuk. We don't go there often, do we? I was wondering what, we'd, what we could shorten that name. Habakkuk's an unusual name, isn't it? wonder how we could Australianize that. Habo, Habo. We could call him Habo. We could call him Bucker. But we'd probably, being Aussies, we'd probably call him Cooker. Or something like that. You know, we'd, we'd pull something like Cookaburra. We'd probably call him Burra. Burra, as in short for Cookaburra, as in short for... Anyway, what we, whatever. <laughs> So here's Habakkuk, chapter 2, you'll never forget his name now. Um, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. He's, he's talking about his conversation, an ongoing conversation he's having with God. And what answer I am to give to this complaint. Habakkuk's an interesting fellow. His name actually means he that embraces or a wrestler. And that's exactly what's happening in the first chapter of the book. Now we're in the second chapter of the book. But Habakkuk is a prophet who lives about 7th century BC before the Babylonian invasion of the southern kingdom of Judah. And uh, he is looking out over the nation and he's seeing that things are not running the way they should be. There's injustice, the poor are oppressed, everything that is in the Torah, everything that they held uh, as, as sacred was not happening in his nation. It was the exact opposite. And he begins crying out to God saying, God, when are you going to do something about the injustice? And then uh, interestingly, God shows him, I am. The Babylonians are rising up as a major world power and they are just stripping the nations bare and they're headed your way. So it's quite a dark response and then in chapter 2 pondering this going well I've been crying out for justice but it's coming in a really brutal way the oppressed are going to be you know shipped out that's what's going to happen but it's going to happen in a brutal way and then it's wonderful what happens in in chapter 2 God lets him know that this is going to happen but also brings vision for a totally new day Where it lands is, and I'm giving you the overview, but where it lands is in the famous passage. We sang songs about it many, many years ago, and it's a verse that maybe you've heard. But there would come a day where the glory of the Lord covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. So have this picture where Habakkuk comes to God with a complaint 
And it's like, and God's got a complaint against Israel for the way they're behaving and treating people. And, uh, and he comes with this complaint and God says, it's all going to be washed away. All of that evil will disappear from before your eyes. And then a new day will come, not just for Israel, but for the whole earth where the glory and the goodness of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. So he has this fantastic vision. And it all begins here where he sits to seek God for vision. Now, that's a point in itself, but I'm not going to make it because I've made it in other, uh, other passages. Is that good? And I think that there's a little bit of a parallel in this because for him, this siege was going to come. God even says how they're going to take the city. And it's proven true. It's recorded in 605 BC how the Babylonians did it. They built a siege wall up against the, or a siege mound against the walls of the city. And so God even tells Habakkuk what this is going to look like that they're going to be under siege and that the enemy is going to break through the walls and plunder everything. And, and it just makes me wonder about the parallels between, you know, a siege we see here and I think a particular siege mentality that this season with this dreaded disease, this terrible thing that's afflicted the, parent, uh, the planet, and, and we live, we live in such a cocoon, such a, we've had such a soft impact from this, most of us, when you look at the rest of the world. And how it's suffering. And yet, I see the effects that it's had even on us who've been in this little sheltered enclave called Australia, called Queensland, called South East Queensland, called the best city on the planet, Toowoomba. But it's still affected people. And there's like a siege mentality of, oh, I don't know whether I want to go forward. I don't know whether I can dream again. I don't know whether I should get my hopes up. There's a siege mentality And I love it how Habakkuk, there's a siege coming. It's going to be difficult. It's going to get more difficult before it gets better. But in the end, God has his way. And there is something that you should set your heart on. There is something that you should be dreaming about. And I just want to speak that prophetically to every heart in this place right now. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what you face right now, that no matter, even if it gets darker before it gets easier, there is something that God wants you to set your heart on and believe for a better day where God has his way, where God's glory is seen, where God does something that only God can do. That amazes us. And I just proclaim that in faith because I think I need to. We need to break a spirit of oppression and break a spirit. And I don't talk that way often. You know that. But there's like a siege mentality that needs to break off God's people and realize that the mission hasn't changed. God's not fallen off the throne at any point. So let's let God fill our hearts. Habakkuk 2 verse 2. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Okay, here's some real quick things. And in eight minutes, I'm going to share my whole message. So I better stick to my notes. Write it down. Okay, write it down. What do you do with vision? How do you vision engineer? Write it down. Whatever God's showing you. Write it. Hey, listen, it's like journaling. If it's important enough for God to say it to you, it's important enough to write it down. And this is what Habakkuk, God says to Habakkuk, you need to write this down. And we'll see why in a few moments. But writing it down is all about keeping it focused. 
And I'm hoping that hopefully in this first few weeks, you've been inspired with a little bit of vision, even this morning, just a sense of, yeah, things could be different. I could capture that in my heart. I could imagine that in my heart. I know for me, as I've prayed over the years for, for family members who don't know Christ, I, I, if I look at their situation and where they're at, I have no faith whatsoever. The faith runs out my boots. But if I capture an image of them and I vision them at the foot of the cross worshipping Jesus with tears streaming down their cheeks, I have faith to pray and believe for God to do something. And this is in the same way. This is what keeps you focused. I hope you've got something. I hope you've got a picture of the preferred tomorrow. Write it down is a great thing to do. We've talked about moving in faith and keeping God central. But this is how Habakkuk gets, he gets instruction on how to keep it focused. There is a need for focus. You know, I've seen young couples and they say they've got a vision to own their own home. The only problem is, Every time they see a new big screen television or a this or a that or a holiday opportunity, they go on it. And that's how I know the problem is not, some people would say, well, I've got a problem with saving. They've got a problem with spending money. I'd say that's not true. The problem is they actually don't have a vision. They, They are sort of repeating what they think their society says they should have, but they themselves don't believe it. Because when you get a vision, it impacts you in such a way, it will change the way you spend your money. It'll just change it. If you've got vision, if you've really got vision to own your own home, then that, you know, that glossy, well, they don't come like that anymore, I guess now, that email that you receive or whatever you get, but you used to get, you know, the the JB Hi-Fi catalogue, it'll bounce off you. It'll have no appeal whatsoever because you have a vision for a preferred tomorrow. Clarify your vision. Write it down. You know, about 15 years ago, I think, Sue and I, we wrote something called The the Church We See. And I haven't visited this for a long time, and I'm in the process of rewriting it, modernising it, because the language is pretty old now. But uh, I want to read you what we wrote down as the church that we saw 15 years ago. New Hope Church is a large, vibrant church reproducing itself as congregations that are intrinsically interwoven by their common leadership, vision, values and ministries. A church where God's presence is the tangible, life-changing ingredient of all that we do. It is a free-spirited church, a generous church that is committed to doing and giving whatever it takes to see the cause of Christ, the salvation and discipleship of its communities and the nations unfold. A church that, is, that sees souls saved every week and is constantly baptising new believers. We're doing some of that tonight. It is a church full of young people expressing their gifts, discovering the wonder of calling and destiny. A place where all generations interact, serve and learn together and from each other. It is a church where children are welcomed, loved, appreciated and empowered to respond to their own sense of the call of God right now. A church that champions and honours godly marriage and recognises it as the relational keystone of community, a church characterized by grace, a safe place to take godly risks and even fail. Now, that's only about half of it. Yeah. We wrote down, you know, some people say, oh, you've got to get your vision sent to one sentence. I just found it was one dimensional. I needed three dimensions. And so we threw that common speak out and we decided to just write in every area we could think of what we wanted it to to look like again that's just a taste and a snippet and we aren't all of that but I trust that you see some of that 
that that is actually indeed who we are, that we are actually fulfilling vision in that way. And, and the way that you know that you're doing it and the way that you know what your vision is, is write it down. But maybe writing it down isn't good enough for you. So I'd encourage you, if you're more visual, more arty, why don't you sketch it? I want to show you a picture of this building when we first saw it. It was an old factory. It was an electrical fitness switch factory initially. Um, is it up there? Not yet. There it is. Thank you. So this is what this building looked like. 12 P Street in, I guess, I don't know, any time prior to uh, about 2016 or something like that or 15. And uh, I remember we looked at this building and it was like, uh, we can't see that we could make use of it, blah, blah, blah. That was the board at the time. And then we come back about 18 months later and we had another look at it. It was still on the market. The price had been dropped. We had a look at it. And, uh, and afterwards, I remember I went, I think it was to McDonald's with Greg Philippa, one of our board, who's a pretty clever guy when it comes to space. And this is what he drew on a napkin. Now, just have a little bit of a look at that. And tell me if that's not the building we're sitting in. We took that to an architect because he was like, oh, we could make it work. We could do a bit of this, bit of that, you know, da-da-da. It's just just walls. It's, you know, because this was a quarter-acre shed, you know, initially. So it it was a big blank canvas. And uh, we took it to to our designer and our designer didn't change a thing. He said, for people flow, for everything, I think you've got it pretty right. He just put dimensions on it and now we're sitting in it. You know what I mean? But that was because someone saw what could be and then decided to write it down. Then we went to, sorry, the next one, of course. You know, then we went to that. At that stage, it was getting pretty exciting. You know, that was looking better than what looked at. So that's what an architect can do for you, obviously. Uh, And and now we sit in it. A fulfillment of vision that was written down. You've got time for a couple more examples? I'm trying to inspire you in different ways that you can inspire yourself and be a visioneer, okay? So um, old cars. You know, old cars are something I've been always involved in and, and restoration of cars, but I can tell you about this. A lot of people never get there. I've seen, and I've bought, actually, I've picked up quite cheaply, cars that other people have started and lose their way in the middle because it's such a big project. You know, most of them might take five or six years from start to finish when you're just doing it in your spare time. And so a lot of people lose their vision on the way through. I want to show you a couple of old cars. Here's one. That's underway, okay? That's what... Well, that's actually looking a lot better than it did the day that it it, it drove into the shed. But that's it on its way. Now, because it can be so discouraged in the middle, this is something that I've always done with cars that I do up, even when they're not my cars, because this isn't my car. I actually find a photo of the finished vehicle, what the owner wants it to look like. Someone else has done it somewhere. And I print it off and I leave it in the shed where the car is. So that every day you come in and you know you're going to spend seven hours in a cold shed working on the vision with no seeming reward on your day off. You just have to look at the picture and you go, that's going to be worth it. So I printed this off, which now before we show it, or too late, there we go. That is a 1967 sales brochure picture from GMH Australia for the brand new Monaro that went on to win Bathurst that year. That is what the car is meant to look like. And I printed that off and I stuck it in my shed 
for my brother to look at, to keep encouraged, and me, while I was painting it. And this is sort of where some of it's at now. Like, just flick to the next one. So that's how it's looking now. It's on the way. There's just a little bit of it. It's on the way. But again, if you don't get a clear picture, and if you can't keep something in front of you, I tell you what, I could preach this exactly the same way from Jacob and his speckled sticks, if you've ever wondered what that story's about, where he got sheep and goats breeding differently by the image he placed in front of them. You've often wondered what that story's about. If you've been around a church life for a while, it's like, what's with the speckled sticks, man? It's a vision exercise. You reproduce what you see. That's why our world is trying to desperately harness the minds of people with pornography and with every other wicked thing that's out there because you reproduce what you see. And it's causing huge trouble in marriages, huge trouble in relationships and so many young people getting smashed and broken by behaviours that they are simply visioning and then living. Don't tell me there's no power in the power of vision. Next one, real quick. Next one, look at that. How gorgeous is that? I was so excited in the middle of COVID to find this one. It was like my heart leapt. You can ask Shane. I was ringing him up. I was in Cairns at the time and I found this in Melbourne and my heart was pounding as I told him about it. Just isn't it gorgeous? Okay. And then finally got it back home. Thank you. There it is. Isn't it beautiful? (laughs) It's just gorgeous. Can you understand why people think we're idiots? when we do old cars and people look at it and people even come into that shed and have seen that car and just shake in their head like I, you, you've lost your mind but you know what I was happy to buy that because this last photo is what I always saw the moment I saw it I knew that thank you that that is actually what that car's meant to look like so for me guess what I printed off that's the exact photo that I've got sitting on the dashboard of that car in an old shed because I know that somewhere in the next six years I'm going to get discouraged I'm going to question the vision I'm going to question whether it's worth it my wife is going to question the amount of money that I'm spending I mean there's going to be all kinds of pressure to deflect me off the vision but when I have a clear mental image when I've written the thing and made it plain or when I've hey with technology I can print the thing now and make it plain and I know that I will move towards that vision resolutely until I see so when people ridicule it and it's like oh that rusty old wreck I've already seen what it is they can't see it some can't see it some can but some can't see it they're just looking at it it's a rusty old car but for me I can see exactly what I want it to be what have you got in your what have you written down what have you written down see it's one thing for us to talk about it's one thing to be inspired and go I'm really excited about vision you know I'm feeling different about things you will lose that feeling in three weeks no matter how inspired you are and this is why God said to Habakkuk write it down write it down make it plain So that, sorry, I missed a point. That was the next point. When we went to the architectural drawings, that was make it plain because the napkin looked a bit muddy. Making it plain. He said, write it down and make it plain that he may run who reads it. 
There's the third thought. That he may, this is what this is about. You're writing it down, you're making it plain. Whether you do that with a photograph, whether you do that with a drawing, whether you do that with a statement on a sheet, make it plain that he may run who reads it. And it's an interesting thing, but clarity brings confidence. You don't run around in the dark, you know. I mean, as kids you did, but most of the time you axed yourself on the neighbor's fence at some point. So you learn not to do that anymore, don't you? You don't just sort of run out onto a dark night, not a supermoon night, a dark night, run out and just run flat out in any direction, wondering what you're going to encounter. Because we all know you will encounter something that you don't want to encounter. You know, you will run into a tree, you'll run into the neighbor's fence, a barbed wire fence, whatever. And so we don't do that. But you know what? When there's light, when there's clarity, there's confidence. Write the vision and make it plain. And then you get confident to run because you've got a bit of a feeling of what's ahead. You know what you're running to at the end of the day. So as much as it takes steps of faith, you're not totally in the dark. You have a sense. God has given me a bit of a picture. What I've used there with so many physical things, they're just physical things. That's child's play. That's how a kid does art using that level of vision. But when you get something that's inspired by the Holy Spirit that will make an eternal impact through your life, that's what you were created to do. God gets all over that. You know, when it comes to a project like a car, I've got to manage that in a very natural sort of a way. It ain't going to be supernaturally provided for. But when I get something in my heart that's from God, that car's just about restoration of the soul to me. But when I get something in my spirit that's birthed by the Holy Spirit, then all of heaven leans in. All of heaven is ready to support. And and heaven wants you to run with what you've seen, to run with confidence, to run with clarity. And then one last thought, one last thought as we close. Are you okay? You doing all right? Okie dokie. Gee, I had a lot of applications to make, but I'm out of time. I want to hit this one. Last thought is patience. Patience. Verse 3 says this. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. There's this encouragement for patience. You've got to hang in. God even says to him, it might linger. It might not come in your time frame. It might not happen when you think it should. You know, recently, um, I was thinking about this vision came to fulfillment a couple of weeks ago, very powerfully in my life, an old vision. When I first became a Christian, I, I uh, uh, I met Jesus and became a new believer. And I was in the context of this old shed, full of guys doing up cars you know so you know where I get it from and we had this common mentor he was our engine builder he was an older guy and he really he mentored and he even fathered a lot of those young guys in this shed and there were quite a few of us over the years I was in it for about six years and uh, recently he passed away and uh, his wife rang me and asked me to do the funeral which was incredible because when I first became a Christian and I told him, you know, his response wasn't that warm. And the response of all the guys in the shed, you know, I got everything from ridicule to outright hate. 
and uh, as a Christian and that was just sort of my little cross to bear for a season but over the years I've seen some of them come to Christ through my witness I've even married one of them so you know there's ongoing relationships been there but my heart's cry as a new believer was always to, to get my mates to church where they could hear the gospel preached the way I had or to at least be able to share with them and bring them into faith in Christ I just knew the difference it would make in their lives yeah. But as our lives, sort of my life went down a ministry path, our lives parted, I guess I got to a point where I figured I'd just have to settle for that. You know, however God had used me, he'd used me enough and I was moving on. And then I got this phone call and I got, number one, the chance to honour a man who was a very, very important and, and a great figure in my life and in the lives of so many. We got to do it here in the building. The family, you know just asked if we had a facility I said sure so we were able to do it and all of a sudden I found myself holding a microphone singing Amazing Grace with over 30 of these guys who are all my age now most of them some of them a bit younger some a bit older but you know I'm holding a microphone singing Amazing Grace with them all standing up and then preach John 3:17. for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that through him the world might be saved. I got to preach the gospel so clearly and I'm looking out at faces I hadn't seen for 25 years as they lent into the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope that it provided in a moment like that. And I walked away from that day and thought, God, you're pretty amazing. Like this is a vision I had 36 years ago. And I might not have thought it was ever going to be fulfilled. And all of a sudden, in one day it was. Though it tarries, wait for it. If God's put it in your heart, if it's a godly dream, all heaven is working to see that vision come to pass. Here's some questions I'm going to ask you really, really quickly as I close. Have you got anything you're running towards? Have you got anything? that you're running towards, that makes you leap out of bed? What images are you using to keep yourself focused, to keep you focused on what God has put in your heart? Do you have something you're believing for specifically? Can you specifically articulate it? Is there something you've given up on, but you feel is still alive in you somewhere? That's so often the case for people, I think. And it's, it's this last point of patience where it's just like, I just, I've given up on that because I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Is there something that you need to revisit that you sense even right now in this moment, the Holy Spirit is just trying to water, trying to quicken in you, trying to bring back to life, trying to resuscitate, trying to resurrect an old dream or an old vision in you. And lastly, Have you defined your vision clearly enough that you're confident to run? Have you defined what you sense God's put in your heart clearly enough you feel confidently to run hard toward it? I'm going to pray for you real quick. Come on, why don't we stand? You doing okay? You doing okay? Come on, let's uh, invite the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with fresh vision. Thank you, Father, in every area for everything represented in here, Father, from workshops to medical practices, from from kindergartens to high school classes, for teachers, Father, for tradesmen, for business people, for medical professionals, for students, for mums and dads and husbands and wives and young people that are here right now. Father, we just open our heart to you. 
Open our heart to you. Help us to see how things should be. Help us to look beyond how things are and use the eye of faith to see how things should be. And and put that seed in our heart, that seed of vision, that clear mental image of a preferred tomorrow. And Father, we want to dedicate it to you as we meditate on these things, as we think about these things, even this week. Lord, clarify it for us. Help us to see clearly. Help us to define it in ways that are meaningful to us so that you can empower us by your spirit to do great things in our own lives, personally, to build lives that are attractive and that are a witness to the gospel and also to do things in the world through what you've given us that changes the lives of others. In Jesus' name.